Hey, Justin here with Stay at Home Dads Podcast, the place I talk about a lot of dad stuff, as well as topics involving our kids, family. You kind of get the drill. You kind of get the idea if you've listened to me before. Hopefully you have. Anyways, thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. Now, I hope you liked those last few episodes, the interviewing and having a conversation with someone besides, besides myself. It was great. It was nice getting someone to talk to me, have a professional opinion on things that can help me, can help my kids, can help you out there. So yeah, it was a pretty cool thing. Pretty, uh, pretty nice that she agreed to come in here and talk to me. And that's kind of what I want this show to be more of, having interesting conversations with experts, um, people in specific fields that have a lot more knowledge than myself, fellow dads, people that have different perspectives or ideas about all sorts of topics. So yeah, that's that's where I want this to go, and, and hopefully I can get it there. Put myself out there a little more, talk to more people, and that's what I did with Sharon. I did the old cold call action, and I just blank shot her an email, and she responded. So thank you again to Sharon for doing that for me. But anyways... I know I mentioned a couple weeks ago about my 40th birthday party. My wife sprung this on me last month, so I figured I would talk about that for a minute. It was amazing. It was knocked out of the ballpark. I had no idea that she was going to do this. And I'm the type of guy that doesn't put a lot of thought into parties or things for myself. I'm kind of low-key. That's what I'm good with. Well, my wife's party was also not low-key. She did tell me that we were going to have some people over and we're going to have a little party But I had no idea what it was, what the basis of the party was. All she told me to do was just clean out the garage. So I knew there was going to be a gathering. So the day of the party, um, I'm getting a little edgy, maybe grumpy, possibly. And I think that's because I'm maybe slightly a control freak. Um, I don't know. I was just stressing because I didn't know what was going on. And I typically like to know what's going on, especially when it's around my own house. So that afternoon, I see this truck pull up, and it starts unloading stuff. And I don't really want to be this nosy dick and ruin the surprise, so I just kind of go upstairs and relax for a little bit so I don't see what's going on. Well, after a while, my wife comes and gets me, and she wants me to check something out. And she's loving all this suspense, by the way. She's just eating it up. She likes to see me squirm maybe a little bit, especially for an occasion like this. So she brings me out to the garage, and to my surprise... It was a legit Vegas casino party set up in my garage, full decorated. It was just amazing. I was I was blown away. Craps table, two poker tables. There was lights and music. It was just pretty awesome. There was a ton of food. There was a little bar area with a drink menu that she had actually made herself. And it had uh, cocktail mixes for some of my favorite drinks. So that was a nice touch. And there were probably about 30 of our friends there. No kids. It was all adults. So it was a a really fun adult party. And having casino tables there with their own dealers from this company, mind you, it just made for a great combination. It gave everyone something to do instead of just hanging out and drinking and carrying on awkward conversations with friends. You kind of know what I mean? People were learning how to play the games. Craps was really popular. And everyone got $2,500 in fake chips. And by the end of the night, whoever had the most chips won a $50 gift card. So that was kind of cool. And it didn't cost anybody anything. So some people were afraid that they were going to have to, like, put money in or pay for something. And it, it wasn't like that. It was all 
paid for by us, by my wife, for this big party. So it was just all for fun. So hats off to you, Megan, for probably throwing the best party I have ever been to and ever been a part of. And we hosted that shit. So I am extremely impressed. And it was fitting, too. We're from Vegas. I lived in Vegas for 20 years almost. My wife lived there for a good amount of time. And we threw a Vegas-themed party here in Indiana. So I'm so proud of her that she pulled that off, all the planning and the organization that took months. It just really does impress me. Anyways, all this talk of friends and having people over to my house and being inclusive, maybe having tact, let's say, All these things are important when inviting people to your house, when having these social gatherings. They're also important when trying to curate and build strong relationships. I had people over here that I don't know well, I haven't spent a lot of time with, and it was actually really nice seeing them, getting to talk to them, getting to know them better, interacting on a different level than just the casual wave when we're coming and going from our neighborhood. It was was really nice. But I also pride myself on those things, having empathy for people, compassion, uh, inclusion. That's just kind of the way I am. And I think I am more so that way here because I haven't lived here that long. I don't know a bunch of people around here. I don't have those work friends that a lot of people have. I'm a stay-at-home parent. All I have is this neighborhood and the people that are kind of logistically close to me. So I try my best to practice these things in an attempt to build those strong relationships. And I try to instill these values into my kids as well. And that's kind of where I'm going with today's episode. I want to make sure that they don't leave other kids out, that they show appreciation, they're empathetic towards others, as well as having tact, like I just mentioned. And if you don't know what tact is, well, here's a little today's lesson for you. Tact is a keen sense of what to say or do in order to maintain good relations with others or to avoid offense. It's just being considerate in dealing with other people. That's that's it, ripped right from the dictionary. So when Aunt May makes her famous biscuits, and they used to be really amazing, but over the years, she's maybe forgotten a few ingredients, some of those secret ingredients, and now they kind of taste like baked ass. Well, Do you tell her? Do you tell Aunt May that her biscuits taste like baked ass? Well, no. You use tact, you be nice, and you tell her they're just as amazing as what you remember when you were a kid. And it makes her feel good. It makes people feel good. Or, like my kids have actually done when we're having dinner and I tell them it's something that they don't typically eat. Hey, we're having steak for dinner tonight. And I get the ahs and the ewes and all that stuff. That is a lack of tact. So... I need to uh, work on that with my own kids. So how do we do that? How do we instill some of these values in our kids? And this is something that I want to really drive home because I'll be honest, my kids have been on the negative end of some of these things. I've been on the negative end of some of these things. The exclusion, the lack of empathy, lack of tact. And, you know, I think we're all nice people. My kids are sweet kids. They're, They're shy. They're not too bossy or demanding. So... I don't know. I guess it's just something that uh, that adults and kids go through. Maybe we're not outspoken enough. I don't know. And I know we all think that our kids are the best kids and they always do the right thing. And that's good. They're our kids. We should have that expectation of them. But maybe it's different when we're not around. I don't know. And I feel like I've been doing a pretty decent job with my girls, making sure they're inclusive and they don't say mean things, making sure that they take into account other people's feelings. That's something I really try to get across to them. But maybe 
some people need help in getting this across to their kids. Hell, maybe I need some help getting it across to mine. We all want to raise polite kids with good manners, and I think most kids are good. I think we should give them the benefit of the doubt for the most part. So I decided to do a little research, ask myself a few questions, and uh, see what the old interwebs kind of tells me about all this stuff. First off, from my personal experience and personal opinion, well, and kind of what I read on an article on ParentingScience.com, it's a pretty in-depth article. It talks about teaching empathy and instilling empathetic awareness in kids. I'll link it in the description so you can check it out. Well, they say that these things are all learned. Empathy, tact, inclusion, compassion. They're in that bubble of learned behavior. At least that's what they say for empathy in this article, and I imagine the other ones as well. And I'll try to talk about those here in a little bit if I have enough time. But these things are all shaped by learning, by our kids' environment. We are the primary influence in our kids' lives. This article goes on to state that empathy is not something you have or don't have, and it isn't something that just develops on its own without input from the environment. So how do we know if our kids lack empathy? That, that was kind of my first question. How do, you, how do you kind of pick up on that? Well, I think it would be pretty obvious, honestly. Can they put themselves in someone else's shoes, as we all try to say? Do they help other people in need? When a sibling gets hurt, do they kind of come over and make sure that they're okay? Do they care about other people's feelings? Do they care about your feelings? There are a lot of little tests you can do or scenarios you can give your kids to see how they react to kind of test their level of empathy. If you just do a quick Google search on testing child's empathy or something like that, you'll see a bunch come up and, and they're just little scenarios you can give your kids. Actually, quick story. My wife threw on some cartoon the other night for the kids. It was in the evening. We are getting ready, making dinner. And this movie portrayed a mother and daughter being separated somehow. It was either the mom leaving the daughter, the mom getting injured and being taken away, or maybe she died. I can't remember. It was a cartoon. It was some animated movie. Well, in the midst of this scene that my kids were watching, my oldest daughter, Olivia, started getting visibly upset at what was happening with the mom getting separated, you know, the, these two being torn apart. So I'm assuming that that was a display of empathy. That was a display of her empathy. She didn't like what she was seeing. She put herself in that child's shoes, maybe, of being abandoned, and she could really apparently relate with that. I don't know why. We've never done that to her, but... That's how she interpreted that. So she saw that pain in someone else that someone else was going through, and it just really affected her. So how do we help our kids develop this trait, this ability that will help them throughout their lives, really? Well, this article says the development of empathetic processes depends on the child's experiences, how people communicate with them, and what kinds of social relationships the child has, and whether or not we help them cope with shared emotions that feel unpleasant or overwhelming. Now remember, I'm no doctor. I'm no psychologist. I, I don't know about this stuff. I'm not well-versed in it at all. I'm just doing a bunch of research and reading and kind of just regurgitating what I'm learning. So tip one here is they say to provide children with support they need to develop strong self-regulation skills. That feeling someone else's pain is unpleasant and a child's first impulse would be to shrink away and to go into this self-protective manner to get away from it. It's not fun being around someone else who is suffering. Kids don't really like to deal with that if they don't know what it is. But doing that, that shrinking away, doesn't help the other person that is in, in need or suffering. We want our kids to be sympathetic helpers and not 
bystanders watching? Well, they say we can practice positive parenting, which is a sensitive, responsive approach that makes kids feel secure. I don't necessarily know what that means, but I'll keep reading. They say it lets the kid know that they can count on us as parents for emotional and physical support. And that leads to stronger, more secure relationships, in turn making them more likely to get involved when they see someone who needs sympathy or help. Another thing they say we can do is teach our kids to cope constructively with their own negative emotions. They call this emotion coaching. And I didn't realize this, but I've been doing this for a while with my girls. I may have even talked about it on this show when my oldest daughter was dealing with some emotional moments at times. She would get very emotional. She would get mad and be very angry at times, or she would become sad and want to cry about certain things. And I would go and try to talk to her about what she was feeling, help her identify those feelings and emotions, and then we would kind of label them and work through them, what caused them, and so on. That's I kind of I think I read about it at some other point and I just started kind of doing this and helping her identify what these emotions are. And it really seemed to help her and that's what they say to do here acknowledge rather than dismiss the child's negative feelings it also helps kids find constructive ways to handle their bad moods and they actually state that you can do this with a toddler even so start early people get it going early tip two is understand how feelings of guilt and shame can affect a child's empathetic response and this one i think we can all really relate with we've probably dealt with this situation a lot especially if you have multiple kids One kid gets hurt, does the other sibling show empathy and try to see if the other child's okay? Do they try and help? They say it depends on the circumstances. Did one kid accidentally hurt the other kid or maybe hurt the other kid on purpose? Maybe they were pushing and shoving over a toy or mad about something? That all kind of comes into play here. And I think we've all run up there, run up into the bedroom or the playroom into the situation, one kid's crying, the other kid is sitting there mad and angry, and you can kind of deduct what has happened, but what we say in the situation comes into play a lot here. Gwen Dewar, the doctor who wrote this article, goes on to say that the quote-unquote the bad kid will feel shame, which causes them to withdraw, to feel resentful, to feel angry, and shame doesn't make us into better people. But if that same child feels a sense of guilt then he or she is more likely to make amends, show empathy, and want to get involved to make the situation better. And what I mean by it depends on our reactions as parents, and this wasn't in the article, but it's just kind of something that I'm thinking about, is that if we go in there, guns hot, yelling, and pointing fingers, and and shaming the kid that looks guilty, well, you're not going to get the result that you want. You're not going to do your kid any justice by doing that. But if we go in there calm and cool, you know what I mean, and talk out the issue and try to reason with everyone that's involved, talk about what happened, how the situation got to that point, talk about what people were feeling and what led to it and figure out a resolve, it can yield a better result. And a lot of times I do this with my girls. I go in, talk about the consequences of their actions, talk about their feelings, And usually I can have the guilty party, the guilty child feeling, well, pretty guilty and they want to actually make it better and they want to make amends with their sibling. So it just goes to how we talk to them a lot of times, yell and blame and we're going to get resentment and anger and they aren't going to 
really care about the initial problem anymore, it's going to be a lot deeper than that. And you're going to be dealing with a whole different situation. Anyways, Gwen, the author, she goes on quite a bit more. I think there's 10 or 12 tips in this one article alone. And she gives really good stuff in here on empathy and and teaching it to our kids. She mentions another thing that I want to point out here. It's empathy is influenced by past experiences. So if your child has never suffered, then it will be hard for them to imagine what another person's suffering feels like or maybe even looks like. And after reading that, I started thinking, and while I know every kid has suffered in some fashion, in some capacity at some point, but what about those kids that have always been given everything they wanted? Their parents always made sure that they were happy and they have everything they need, which sure, that's, that's what we want for our kids most of the time. But I'm talking way above and beyond here. Like, oh, don't cry, have this. Or, oh, you don't want, I don't want to force you to eat this food, so go and eat whatever you want. Just, just that act of giving a child every single thing that they want so there is never a down moment. I'm thinking that maybe those kids in those lifestyles possibly might have an issue with empathy. I don't know. Would, would, does that sound plausible? Would you agree with that? I mean, if feeling empathetic is imagining another person suffering, but they have never suffered themselves, then they probably can't understand what they're feeling. I don't know. Just, you know, thinking outside the box here. And it's just another reason not to cave to your kids and give them every single thing that they want so they stay in this euphoric state of happiness, you know. Anyways, like I said, this article goes on quite a bit more than I discussed here. So if you have time, just uh, click on the link in the description and read it. There's there's a lot of good information. I kind of barely scraped the surface on it. All right. Also, I wanted to touch on inclusion a little bit here. I try to teach this to my daughter as well, to both my girls. We all have people that we hang out with, maybe not as much as others. Maybe the relationships aren't as close as others. Maybe it's someone that they hardly see. But when doing things, it's, in my opinion, a really good idea to try to include everyone, especially if you're in a, you know, in a, in a tight-knit circle. And I'll be honest, uh, when you don't value inclusion, I think it's pretty, pretty rude. And I know that's a tad harsh, but I think it is. People like to be included, kids and adults, more so the kids than adults. Adults can usually handle not being included in things. Kids, on the other hand, well, I don't think they have the mental capacity. They don't understand. They may be thinking that why someone doesn't like me, what's wrong with me, or why certain people just don't like them. And it's much harder for them, and frankly, it sucks when they're on the receiving end of it. It makes us feel good that people want to be around us. And like I mentioned earlier, it's good to get a chance to connect with other people and build those other relationships. And when it comes to kids, exclusion is, it's just hard on them, especially at a young age. And you know, someone told me once that, uh, yeah, it'll probably get worse with age. And, and you know what, that's, that's even more of a reason for us as parents to curb it as early as possible, to kind of squash it out now. Because yeah, it will get worse with age as, they, as these kids get older. So why not teach it to our kids when they're young, and then they can understand it and maybe have some compassion for others when they do get older. That doesn't sound unreasonable, does it? And sure, maybe it's not a big deal to some people. And well, you know what, that's great because it probably just hasn't happened to your kid yet or happened to you yet. So how do we combat this anyways? According to verywellfamily.com, another article that I kind of like to reference here and there, 
Social exclusion can impact everything from emotional well-being to academic achievements. So it's kind of a big deal. It's, it really weighs down on kids. And they also state that exclusion is a form of bullying, which I did not know that. Being called a bully isn't a nice thing. That's, that's kind of a terrible thing. And, I mean, I have dealt with bullies back when I was in grade school. When I was a lot younger, I had, I had a lot of bullies. It sucks when a, a group of kids leaves you out and then gangs up on you and teases you and all that stuff. I, I, a best friend and myself, we, we dealt with this a lot in middle school and in high school, you know. And this in exclusion and bullying in, in that aspect, it may be more of an older kid thing. It might not affect younger kids as much, but I think it's still there. So this article goes on and says that a group of kids can build their identity on keeping other kids out, maybe even name-calling or acting like others don't exist. So what's the best way to combat this now? We've talked about the other, some of the other ones. What's the best way to combat this? Well, they say to teach kids to be inclusive from a young age. Kids watch and listen to everything that us as adults do. So do we make judgments? Do we stereotype people? Do we exclude people as adults? Well, if we do, then our kids are going to kind of follow what they see. So if we want our kids to be inclusive, then we need to be inclusive as well. They also say to support individuality, to encourage children to value not only themselves as unique and worthwhile, but others as well. Another tip they give is to reject in-crowd ideas and to be sure that the child knows that the in-crowd does not always translate to the best crowd and to focus their attention on values like kindness, respect, and looky there, they also mention empathy and also to teach them what constitutes a healthy relationship. The article also says to teach your kids, to encourage your kids to reach out to others, to urge them to make other kids feel valued, encourage them to call the new kid in class and maybe get to know them. A good experiment, a good thing they say to do is to challenge your kids to find out one good thing about a kid that they regularly may say is annoying or boring or that they are quote unquote not friends with. And doing this will teach them that there is good in everyone and everyone has something to offer the world. That's according to verywellfamily.com. Lastly, it says to empower your child. While it's important that your child include everyone, you also need to let them know that they are allowed to feel safe and valued in a friendship. They don't need to put up with the bullshit, for lack of a better term. Article didn't say that, I did. In the interest of being inclusive or included. And also, kids can be respectful, yet create a little bit of distance from friends as well. This article goes on, but I kind of just read the gist of it anyways. Let's just try to be the best parents we can be for our kids. And you know, it just hurts me seeing negative things happen to kids, anybody's kids, especially, you know, when I see it to my own. And if we see something as adults or we hear something that doesn't seem right, then we need to do something about it. We can't just turn the blind eye. We can't just not get involved don't just sit there and say, well, kids will be kids. You know, we're the teachers here. We're the, we're, we're the adults. We're the ones that, that guide our kids to be the best human beings that they can be. And if we don't do that, then we're going to raise a bunch of little shits. So that's just my opinion. That wasn't in an article, by the way. So yeah, ignoring that stuff, ignoring those things just feeds into the problem. And also, like I said, some of these things may be much more relatable to older kids, you know, maybe middle school or definitely high school. That's where I got a lot of my bullying at was, was in high school. 
but it can't hurt to expose the younger ones to this stuff as well. Start instilling these values when kids are young and they'll benefit from it. And when they do get into that middle and high school, then they'll be the best version of themselves. Anyways, I hope I provided uh, a few good tips here on all these things. Hopefully you learned something. I know I kind of learned something. I'm going to keep reading here. I'll link all these articles. I think I only referenced two articles. I'll link them in the description so you can check them out. I may actually do a part two on this topic because there's just so much substance to it. I also wanted to talk about how to get our kids from selfish to selfless, as well as talk about tact a little bit more with our kids. That'll have to wait for another time. All right, well, that's all I have for this week's episode of Stay at Home Dads podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I really do. I hope I kind of maybe shined a light on something. And yeah, I'm a little bit passionate about it. I, I think I have to be. So anyways, if you have any questions or comments for me, please leave them on my social media. It's listed in the description at Vegas Raymer on Instagram or go ahead and hop over to podbean.com. I think you can leave a comment there but I definitely know that you can follow me there. And also, all my episodes are listed there. I think I've got 60-some out, so they're all on podbean.com, or they're on one of the many streaming platforms that I post to every week. So you can find it there, too. Anyways, thanks for listening, and I will talk to you all next week.